and welcome to the How CMOs Commit podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. This is a podcast to explore how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they are making as leaders. This podcast is a recording of our Future of Branding series. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they are forging, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections. This is how CMOs commit. And welcome to Siegel and Gale Future of Branding Virtual Roundtable Season 2. Every fortnight, we meet five leading marketers to explore how they are building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel and Gale. Siegel and Gale is a preeminent brand strategy, design, and experience firm. Now, in season one, one of our most inspiring episodes was our conversation with Gen Z. Today, as the entire world focuses on back to school, we today are going to hear directly from a Gen Z panel. A few factoids to set the stage. Gen Z starts with people born after 1997. Today, they are influencing over 80% of the purchases of their households. And by 2030, they will comprise 30% of the workforce. They are the first truly digital native generation. So this is clearly a very important cohort for marketers to understand. As ever, I'm joined today by five marketing leaders, but today they are in listen mode, specifically listening to their children. I will introduce the five CMOs. First, I welcome Kenny Mitchell, the CMO of Snap, the social media company. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning, Good morning. We have Stella Medlicott, the Chief Marketing Officer of Ericsson in London via Sweden, the telecommunications information and communications company. Good evening, Stella. Good evening, Margaret. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Next, we head over to Washington, DC, where we're thrilled to be joined by Mickey King, the CMO of the Washington Post, the innovative media company. Hello, Mickey. Hello, Margaret. Great to be with you tonight. And Lisa Tolman is joining us from LA, where she is the Executive Director of Marketing Operations and Innovation for the US at Amgen, one of the world's leading biotechnology companies. Let's now head over to Dubai to meet Benali Malhotra, the Director of Marketing at RackBank, one of the oldest and most dynamic banks in the UAE. Hello, Margaret. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Thank you all very much. Now, of course, as ever, we'd be delighted to hear from the audience. 
So please tweet us using the hashtag Future of Branding. Let us know where you are joining from and what you think is most remarkable about Generation Z, or as I often say, Gen Z. What's most remarkable about Gen Z and where are you joining from today? Throughout the conversation, I invite our audience to please continue to tweet us using the hashtag Future of Branding. Let's now meet our Gen Z host, my son, New York City native, Manhattan resident, Emmett O'Sullivan. Emmett, please introduce yourself and your panel. Hello, I'm Emmett O'Sullivan. I live in Manhattan and I'm in eighth grade. My school is starting up in person next week. I love to play basketball, and this summer, I learned how to surf. Hello, Carter Mitchell. Where are you joining from? Tell us how your school is dealing with back-to-school looking this year. Hi, my name is Carter Mitchell. I'm joining from Los Angeles, California. This year, my school is starting via online school, and I'm just really excited to start school this year. And Carter, what do you like to do for fun? Um, things that I like to do for fun, I love to read, I love to write, and I love to watch Netflix. Thank you, Carter. Welcome, Caitlin Mason. Where are you joining from? And tell us how your school is dealing with back to school. I'm joining from the UK in Warwickshire, and I'm going into year 12. Uh, we're going back to school in person next week. And yeah, I, love, I play the piano reading. Okay, Andrew King. Where are you joining from? And tell us how your school is doing with back to school. Hello, my name is Andrew King. I'm joining in from Oakton, Virginia, and my school is doing a hybrid method where we will be in school two days a week and virtually for the other days. And Andrew, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, I like to play basketball, play football and fishing. Hi, Jenna Lauterman. Where are you joining from? And tell us how your school is doing with back to school. Hi, I'm joining from Los Angeles, California. I'm in 10th grade and my school has been back to school for two weeks already. And as of right now, it's all online. And what do you like to do for fun? For fun, I like to read, swim, sleep and watch TV. Thank you, Jana. Hi, Tom V. Mahorda. Where are you joining from? And tell us how your school is dealing with back to school. So I'm currently joining from Dubai, but my school is uh, in Berkeley. Uh, so we've gone completely remote as of now. So it's been pretty interesting kind of living in the complete opposite time zone. And what do you like to do for fun? I'm a big fan of kind of creating a playlist on Spotify for all my different moods and kind of letting them loose publicly. All right. Thank you. Okay. Hi again, Carter. Where do you go to learn about trends and who inspires you when making purchasing decisions? Um, I definitely go to social medias, social media to learn about trends. I go to apps like TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, and I just see what the influencers are doing. And can you name any influencers that you love to watch? Um, influencers that I love to watch would have to be um, James Charles. I love... Um, I love TikTokers like Addison Ray, and those are the kind of TikTokers that I watch and I love. Okay. Imagine if you had $100 to spend on anything you wanted. You have to spend it in the next 24 hours or it would all disappear. What would you buy and why? 
Um, I would definitely go straight to Target, and then in there, I would just go shopping around in like the five dollar knickknack section and just get the biggest bang for my buck. Can you name any products you would buy for the five dollars? I would definitely buy a lot of skincare products because I'm really into that. I would definitely buy a lot of junk food and just some technology products, maybe. And can you name any skincare companies that you love? Um, some skincare companies that I am absolutely in love with would have to be um, CeraVe, Cetaphil, and there's this brand called The Ordinary, and I really like that. Um, what societal issues are you close to? Do you think it's important for brands to support causes and how does this translate into your everyday purchasing behavior? Um, uh, some brands, I mean, some societal issues that I'm really close to would have to be global warming. I'm really close to this because I feel like it's something that we must deal with now because we can't wait a year or longer because it'll be the past the point of no return. And when brands support these societal issues, I definitely gravitate towards them more and I know that they support what I support, so I should shop there. And can you name any brands that you think are supporting environmental issues very well? Um, from the top of my head, I really like um, what Old Navy and Hulu are doing. I've been watching TV and I've seen that their commercials that they've been showing have been in support of like BLM, global warming, um, women's rights, and everything that's really important right now. And how did you find out about Hulu and their support? Um, mostly just through watching television or watching Hulu or um, through going on YouTube and the ads that they have before watching the video. Is there a brand that you would avoid or not support because of some of their behaviors that you've learned about? Um, a brand that I definitely would not support would have to be Brandy Melville. It's um, a brand that is targeted towards young girls and it can kind of mess with um, girls like body self image, which I don't really like because depending on like, they have like some sizes that are really small. So people who are not like in that small size really feel self-conscious about shopping there and about their friends shopping there. Yeah, definitely. So you've mentioned skincare. Imagine you were the head of marketing and launching for a skincare product. What marketing tactics would you use to make the product appealing to kids like you? I definitely would go on. Um, I would definitely contact some influencers that were really huge among children and kids. And I would talk to them and I would tell them, oh, can you please promote um, this brand for me and tell them why it's better than other brands. And that way everyone, they'll be able to, to reach the masses, be able to reach millions of people and just by like submitting one TikTok or one YouTube video. All right. So what brand do you think is up and coming in the next few years? And what brand is on the down? Why? Um, a couple brands that I think are um, up and coming in the next few years would definitely have to be the brands that are more sustainable. I think that brands where you can take a picture of your clothes and then you can send that picture out like Depop and Poshmark are really on the up. And I think fast fashion is kind of on the down because people are seeing that sustainability is what we need to focus on. So fast fashion brands such as H&M and Zara, I feel like are more going down. All right. And lastly, what are three brands or products that you could not live without? 
Um, uh, three brands are products that I could not live without. One would definitely have to be Apple because I use them for pretty much all of my technology products. Another um, brand that I cannot live without would also have to be Target because I go, as I said before, if I had $100, that's where I would go. I love going to Target. I go there pretty much all the time. And the last thing would definitely have to be um, Netflix because, as I say, I watch that a lot. And it, it, it's a source for entertainment. And I learned a lot of things. And I watch the biographies. And I watch and I learned about a lot of societal issues were there, actually. Can you name any Netflix shows you love to watch? <laughs> Some Netflix shows that I love to watch are definitely old shows that come on Netflix. Uh, such as Gilmore Girls, Grey's Anatomy. I love those shows. And then for more informative shows, I love this new um, Netflix documentary that they came out about women's rights and why women aren't paid as much as men. All right. Thank you so much, Carter. Moving on to Caitlin. So we've heard from Carter in LA. You live in London. I'm curious about how kids relate to brands in London. How important are brands to you? making purchases for example food clothes and technology so how important are brands to you when making purchases like food clothes and technology where in la and places in america it's very important okay yeah brands are very important here too yeah there are big brands in food such as m&s esco sainsbury's and smaller businesses and we often stick with the same brands it's we're very loyal to our brands usually. So yeah, and we look at a lot of small businesses as well. So suppose you have $100, or since you live in London, pounds to spend in the next 24 hours. How would you spend it? I would probably go to the bookshop that is in my town called Waterstones. It's a very big bookshop in the UK and probably buy some books. Can you name any of your favorite books? Uh, there's a really lovely book called All the Bright Faces by Jennifer Niven or um, A Monster Calls by Patrick Nest that I think are really beautiful. What causes are you close to and how important is it for brands or companies to support these causes? Um, I often speak out about racial injustice, feminism and climate change and body positivity. For me, it's very important that brands support these issues because I think that it's becoming more and more that they speak up about injustice because we need to take a shared responsibility for the planet. Can you name any companies that are, you think are doing very well on this topic? Uh, there's a brand called Patagonia that is very sustainable and they do lots of their products are made of recycled materials that I think is really good. They have a system where they repair and reuse their clothes. Um, there's also Depop that have donated money to the BLM movement that I think is also really good. And how did you find out about all their causes they support? I usually look like actively on the internet to see how what they support and how ethical they are, but also through social media, just coming across it and researching from there. So you're walking down the street with your friends and you're all hungry and it's lunchtime. Where would you go to eat food and why? Well, there's a lovely place called the Steam House that's a local, that's a local shop in our area that isn't a chain and it's called the Steam House. Bagels that are sold and made on the premises, and it's just really lovely. So, what's the specific reason you choose to not go to a large chain? Um, I generally find that the quality isn't quite as high at the steam house. It's really lovely because you know that it's really good and you watch the people make it. 
All right, thank you. Um, do you care about a company using your data for marketing purposes? I personally do, yes. I think it could be good for marketing. However, I find it quite invasive and I feel like I don't have any privacy. So is there a brand that you think is evil? Building on what Carter said, I personally find that Brandy Melville is very damaging. Um, I think it damages and it promotes a negative body image uh, that doesn't that isn't very inclusive. The other day I was looking at the Brandy Melville website and the biggest waist size I could find was a 26 or 27 waist. And then following up on that, I looked at the healthline.com and the average waist size is a 32.5 waist. So, so would, would those kind of things make you fully stop shopping from places like Brandy Melville? Yes, in fact, it does. I have quite strong morals. So when I found that out, I completely stopped buying from them. All right. Thank you, Caitlin. Now moving on to Andrew. So we've had a lot of downtime these past few months. Are there any brands or products you cannot live without? I definitely think Apple, Dix, and Google are brands that I definitely could, I could not live without. The reason being for Apple is obviously because we use technology in our everyday lives. So, and most of the products that I'm using are Apple. Uh, Dix, because I'm, I'm an athlete, Dix is the only place that I go to get equipment and apparel and different things I need for in order to perform at the next level in sports. And Google, obviously you can't get to those different sites without having to go through Google. I'm able to see news, obviously new trends and yes. So I'm going to ask you the same $100 question. Imagine you have a hundred dollars and only 24 hours to spend. What would you buy? Uh, the first thing I would buy is some type of apparel, either some jeans or a nice shirt. And I particularly like to shop at places like American Eagle and PacSoon and those places that have really nice uh, shirts and jeans. So that's the first thing I would do. Um, I would buy a book by my favorite author, Kwame Alexander. I've read most of his books already, but I would definitely buy a book from him. And then lastly, I would, I would probably get an accessory for either my watch or AirPods or maybe even a new phone case. All right. So are you close to any societal issues? And does this interest affect your choices of brands or your family's choices? I'm close to a lot of societal issues, like obviously the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, equality for women in sports and equal pay. And I think when a brand supports these different movements, it really impacts impacts how I see the brand, and they're seeing that the, a change needs to happen in our world. So it really impacts how I like how I see the brand and the products that I buy. And can you name any particular brands that you think are doing very well in society? Uh, I think Nike and the NBA and the WNBA has done a great job of showing their support in Black Lives Matter and different um, societal issues as well. And so I really see them as like the leaders in the causes that are going on right now. Imagine you were head of marketing and launching a product competing with Nike, as you mentioned. What marketing tactics would you use to attract kids like us? I would definitely show the product off on all social media platforms because that's basically where we're on uh, a lot of the day, a lot, of, a lot of parts of the day. And I would also show, give it to influencers so they can go out and put it through obviously social media platforms, but on their platforms as well, outside of social media. So obviously, because we follow those celebrities and different people that we respect, so they would be, they would sell those products off. So can you name any particular influencers or celebrities that would do well advertising your company? Uh, 
maybe sports athletes, the top off the top of my head, but maybe like LeBron or just really big uh, people in our world right now that are actually have been seeing, I've been seeing this, they're speaking up a lot about problems as well. So that also uh, adds on to the why I would use them to really expand my product a lot more. What brand do you think is, uh, is on the up and coming in the next couple of years? I think Zoom is a brand that is on the up and coming in the next couple of years because since we are having to social distance a lot more, we are able to interact through Zoom and also other uh, things like Google Hangouts and those kinds of interactions. So yeah, those, those brands definitely. And when you're going back to school virtually, what are you using? Is it Zoom or? Uh, I think we'll be using Google Hangouts. That's what most of the schools around are using. And it's, it's simple, obviously, like Zoom. It's really easy for everybody to use. All right. So you're walking down the street with your family and you're all hungry and it's lunchtime. Where would you go to eat and why? Uh, the more, majority of the time, we would either go to Chick-fil-A or Chipotle. Chick-fil-A, being, the reason being for the food is really good and the service is exceptional. I don't necessarily like the brand of Chick-fil-A because of some of the things that they uh, are against. I, I, the food is really good there. And Chipotle as well is obviously a healthy choice. And it's just it's very convenient because it's right around the corner for us. So what would your typical order be at either Chipotle or Chick-fil-A? Uh, from Chipotle, I would probably, it really depends on how I'm feeling, but most of the time I'll get a brown rice bowl with chicken, tomatoes. Um, maybe I'll add some hot sauce to it. And yeah, that's mostly what I would get. And Ch- Chick-fil-A, could you name your order? Yes, I would, I would get a 12-count grilled nugget meal with uh, a medium or large fry and then a medium sweet tea or a soda. Yeah, so personally at Chipotle, I love to go to Chipotle because it's such a healthy fast food place. And I think the food tastes amazing. I love to get a double chicken bowl with brown rice and half black beans, half pinto beans. And I just love Chipotle so much because it's so healthy and it's so quick and easy to get. So um, where do you go to learn about trends and who inspires you in making purchasing decisions? Uh, The majority of the time I will go to a social media platform uh, typically Instagram and mostly the people that I follow will, uh, influence me to buy a product or some of my friends that have been talking about something new, or maybe even my parents, my dad might have something that looks really neat and I'll go to buy that product. Okay. So say you're on your phone, what kind of ad grabs your attention and what makes a good ad? Uh, the majority of the ads that grab my attention are, Maybe some an ad of a new shoe or maybe a new clothing that came out or just something like that. Um, and off the top of your head, can you think of a particular ad that you thought really grabbed your interest? Uh, Adidas actually put out this ad where I saw these new cleats that I really liked. So that when I saw that, I was going through. Uh, it actually, they restocked ones that they had already dropped earlier in the year. So when I saw that ad that came up saying that they had 25% off of these new cleats that just dropped that were out before, uh, that really caught my interest. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Now moving on to Jenna. When you are buying something new, let's say clothes, what's most important to you when choosing a brand? Um, when choosing a brand, I always like look at the clothing material and just the quality of the clothing. And if a lot of people have bought that item and if they left reviews on that item, 
because I don't want to be buying an item that looks great online, but when it comes, it's completely different than its image. So would you rather go like in-person shop or online? I'd rather go shopping online because I find it's a lot easier where I can order clothing in bulk and order multiple sizes. Then it'll come and I can try it all on and then I just send it right back. Um, so imagine, here's a hundred dollar question again. Imagine you had a hundred dollars to spend in the next 24 hours. How would you use it? Why? I would probably just go walk around my neighborhood area where there's a little outdoor outlet and I love sweatshirts. So I'd probably go find a sweatshirt or a blanket because I really like comfortable and warm. And any particular brand you would buy sweatshirt from? Um, not really. I'm not very brand loyal. If I find something I like, then I'll get it. But I don't always go back to the same brand. Okay. So do you care about a company using your data for marketing purposes? I do care about a company using my data for marketing purposes because I find it's very invasive. And a lot of times they'll use my data, even though I never gave them permission. And a lot of the times I will buy from a company only one time and suddenly they're sending me emails like we're best friends every single day. And I honestly find it very annoying and it makes me not want to go back. So do you think using data is an effective marketing strategy? I think at times it can be when looking at maybe things you've searched up and putting things similar to it there. But I think when they start taking personal data that's specific to you and ways of contacting you or your name, that's when it becomes a big issue. What causes are you close to and how important is it for brands or companies to support these causes? There are a lot of causes I'm close to, especially in today's world, like gun control, women's rights, equal pay, and there's just so many. And I think it's so important that companies pay contribute to that and because it brings an awareness that some people might not know about it. And it also, if a company has a large following, it might make the people who follow them maybe less ignorant and want to do more for that cause. And can you name any companies or brands that are doing well supporting societal issues? I'm as of right now, I don't know of any large companies or brands, but I follow a few Instagram accounts that post a lot about societal issues and they have started their own clothing lines and selling their own clothing and supporting smaller clothing businesses. Can you name any of these Instagram accounts? Um, one of the Instagram accounts is called Change. And they post a lot about societal issues and what's going on in today's world. And they also, they have their own clothing. So what brand do you think will be more popular in the next few years? In the next few years, I think that brands that will be more popular are smaller owned brands and websites that allow those small owned brands to sell their things like Etsy or Depop or Redbubble because they allow smaller artists and clothing makers and tons of things to sell their items. And yeah. And what brand will not be as popular and why? I think a lot of fast fashion brands won't be as popular 
because the way they make their clothes and a lot of the things they support are just very unethical. And a lot of the times I find that they steal designs and clothing from those smaller brands and they're really starting to be called out for it. And can you name any of these? Um, the fast fashion brands that I know aren't doing so well right now are Sheen and Zoffel. There's a lot more. <laughs> so after hearing about this, does that make you completely stop shopping from them? It does make me complete stop, completely stop shopping from them. Actually, when I watched the first Gen Z call, I didn't know that Sheen was using child labor and tons of other horrible things. And once I found that out, I stopped shopping from them completely. And your friends as well also not shop there anymore? Yeah, most of them don't. Okay. Um, so for the products and, or services that you're interested in, where do you go to learn about what's new? I normally go to social media, mostly TikTok and Instagram, because I find big influencers I follow will post about it, or my friends will post about it, or repost something that someone else posted, and I find it out from them. And can you name any of these influencers? Um, well, a lot of TikTok influencers I know who have really been getting around trends, like Carter said, Addison Ray. Charlie D'Amelio. Okay, so um, say you're walking down the street or you're on your phone. What kind of ad grabs your attention and why? Um, an ad that would grab my attention is probably one that's very bright and isn't just words. It would probably have a person from a TV show or an influencer celebrity that I've seen before or I know their name. And I would be like, oh, who's that and why are they up there? And do you think you can name off the top of your head any brand or particular or brand or, or ad that caught you to attention like that? Um, recently, I saw that Charlie D'Amelio did a collaboration with Hollister. And I was just scrolling on Instagram and I saw her and I was like, oh, what's this? And then I saw the whole thing. Okay. Thank you, Jenna. So finally, we have Tandu. So you live in Dubai and study in California at UC Berkeley. In your opinion, what are the similarities or differences in how Gen Z think about brand in Dubai versus the US? Definitely, I think both countries do have enough of their brand consciousness present, but I definitely see a difference when I compare Dubai to Berkeley or San Francisco. I think brand consciousness is a lot more prominent in, uh, in Dubai. I think if you're thinking, you know, Louis Vuitton, Montblanc, like that's kind of a regular thing that you see here. You know, I can walk into a mall and almost everyone is wearing something designer as opposed to when I'm kind of in San Francisco and walking down the street, that's not so common, even, even within cars in itself. I think even though America is very commercialized, the, the importance or dominance of brands in the UAE is a lot stronger. And can you name any of these designer brands that are popular right now? Definitely. So I think, you know, if I was going to the mall, like Louis Vuitton, like everyone has an LV bag or if it's Prada or Gucci, I think that's a lot more common to see here in terms of fashion, as opposed to if I was walking down the street um, in San Francisco. And why do you think that's that? I think uh, there's a lot of different reasons. I think one thing is that I guess income disparity is also um, a large uh, contributor to both of those kind of regions. But besides that, I think, um, Brand influence is, is looked upon as kind of a societal 
um, kind of your ranking in society over here. And it's a lot more dominant in terms of culture and social structure. So I think that um, comes into play. Okay, thank you. Um, during quarantine in Dubai, what ended up being the main brands or products or services you cannot live without? Definitely. I think the one at the top of my lift, uh, list is my Spotify application. I mean, I'm constantly listening to music, you know, whether that be, you know, like a workout playlist or like one in the shower or like even a podcast. Uh, that's always uh, kind of playing uh, that my like sign headphones. I'm like always have headphones on, you know, even if I'm on campus, like I don't leave uh, the house without them. Um, and lastly, would probably be like the Google Calendar Suite. I use it to kind of organize my classes, extracurriculars, make plans, and it's really easy to share with my friends, um, sometimes even easier than Slack. So that's probably the three things I use the most. So you're talking about Spotify, and there's always a debate between Apple Music and Spotify. And do you have a reason for choosing Spotify? Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest reason I'm a Spotify fan is the UI and the UX, I think, is a lot better on that end. But Spotify has this... Um, crazy personal their personalization playlist that they draw from with depending on my past you know likes of my songs i think um that that's an area where it outshines apple music um it in i don't know how many different ways so i think that's the main reason that i use spotify but also spotify has all these um student packages so it makes it a lot more affordable as a college student and what kind of music would you have on your spotify playlist yeah, so I think most of it is kind of R&B. Um, I have a little bit of kind of old school music as well. Um, I have a little bit of folk and a lot of indie as well. So it would be great if you could name some of your favorite artists or songs. Yeah, definitely. So I think right now uh, I've been listening to a lot of a lot of Coldplay, a lot of um, Janae Aiko, uh, Khalid. Um, so those are the top three people I'm listening to right now. All right, great. So it's a hundred dollar question again, or in your case, 350 Durham, what would you spend it on? I think I'd probably spend it on some, like an experience based good, like concert tickets, or maybe like a really, really cheap flight um, to go away for the weekend. Um, um, I think, you know, uh, having a spare hundred dollars to go to maybe even an amusement park or a theme park as a, as a memory, instead of a physical good, is probably the way I would spend it. Okay. Um, do you think that it's important for brands to support causes and how does this influence what you buy or where you would choose to work when you graduate? Definitely. I think uh, it's definitely important and the issues kind of that I'm close to will definitely kind of make a influence on what company that I'd like to work uh, in. I think employee well-being is uh, extremely important, whether that be, you know, flexible working hours, leave, mental health days and the works. And the fact that uh, information is now so accessible and the vast, and there's so many, uh, substitutes for the vast majority of all major corporations. The idea of corporate responsibility and employee well-being has certainly become really, uh, important. So I know a few years ago, there've been like issues with kind of Nike, uh, maybe 30, 40 years ago, and they've really had to make a change to become the brand that they are now. Or I know with United Airlines, they had issues with kind of their employee well-being and that really took a hit on their stock prices as well. So those are definitely things that I would check in before, you know, choosing a place to work. Okay. So what brand or company do you think is doing good and why? Definitely. I think uh, one company that comes to mind right now is a uh, one uh, movement that I guess I'm uh, close to is the Me Too movement. 
And I think one company that really kind of stuck out to me was Netflix. So I think a few years ago when the movement was kind of up and rising, there was this whole um, incident with Kevin Spacey and House of Cards was at its prime. So uh, even with when that kind of movement came out, Netflix actually made a stand to kind of cancel that character off and kind of made a statement saying, you know, this is way more important than making money, even though it was their top show the, at the time. So I think that as a statement and a company showing that what the priorities are uh, was, was was really interesting to see. And so what kind of shows would you be watching on Netflix? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think I'd be watching maybe How to Get Away with Murder. Um, I'm right right now watching something in Arabic. It's called Foda. Um, I've, I, I think I watched Lucifer the other day. Um, True, uh, True Detective was another one. A lot of crime shows, mostly. Okay. So there are many tech companies in California. What if you CMO of one of them, technology products for kids? Mm -hmm. What marketing tactics would you use to lure in young consumers? Definitely. I think, uh, I think it kind of de definitely depends on my audience. I think with, with kids, one, one large thing is kind of using people who have an influence on these certain uh, individuals. One thing I would actually like to see or use is the idea of experiential marketing. Um, I, know, um, I know one thing that I kind of saw and read myself and I thought was extremely interesting is there's uh, Casper mattresses. They have this really, really expensive uh, mattress that's maybe $8,000, $10,000. Uh, so it's definitely an investment when you make um, and they have this kind of deal where they have these mattresses placed in hotels and the deal is essentially if you stay in this hotel and you end up buying the mattress, we'll pay for your hotel stay. So I think deals like that make it very uh, make a very promising and intriguing kind of way to market certain uh, certain goods, especially if the, the tech that I'm kind of selling is high end. So I think that's definitely a tactic that I would use um, and I'd love to see more companies use it as well. Okay. So is there any brand that you think is up and coming in the next few years? Yeah, I think two really come to mind um, in terms of, I guess, fintech, the likes of Robinhood, uh, which is basically this mobile app, which allows uh, anyone to essentially invest in stocks. And its target is actually Gen Z and millennials. Um, and I definitely have a lot of friends who use this app, whether it be as simple as making enough money to buy lunch that day or like it's a significant investment, but I think it's really easy to use and that's what really drives us to using it. And the second is this company called WeWork and it's essentially this real estate company that provides kind of workspaces for startups and companies. And I think the fact that, you know, COVID has hit a lot of companies really badly and companies have seen that working from home is actually very viable and their operations have been running. I think a lot of companies may essentially realize that they don't actually have to rent out office spaces or buy their own office spaces. And I think a company like WeWork, which can have rent on basis, will really do well in the upcoming few years. And for that investing app, I know there's many investing apps out there. Why do you think that is going to be more successful than all the others? Yeah, I think uh, one thing with, with Robin Hood is when you kind of join, um, they kind of give you kind of how to do this articles for, for novices, but also there's no fee as opposed to all the other uh, investing applications. So they don't directly actually take um, uh, a cut from your shares until you make a certain amount of money. So I think that's a great way for someone like me who doesn't know that much, but is still interested in making some, some small change on the side to kind of use. So what would be your top stock, stock pick? 
my top stock pick uh, right now, I think I would be definitely investing in the pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceutical kind of uh, industry, whether it be you know hand sanitizers or any fit to, uh, any medical companies maybe uh, that are kind of up and coming with uh, what's going on around the world right now. And what about a brand that you think is overrated? A brand that I think is overrated. Um, I think um, in terms of overrated, I think maybe not overrated, but is kind of coming on the downside of things or is overused. I think the whole like telecommunication service, uh, like the AT&Ts and the Verizons, I think they've kind of managed to create this huge monopoly, at least in the US, from the way they kind of managed to charge extremely high prices for what I think is a relatively basic internet plan. And you know, when I compare it to when I'm in Dubai or in India, when I compare it to places I've been, I think I'm charged like times three, times four, the amount of price that it is uh, when I'm in the US. So I think they've kind of managed to monopolize the, telecommunic the telecommunication space. Um, and it's not that the, the technology is that expensive. So I think that's the whole region is that industry in itself with those two are kind of overrated and hopefully comes unmonopolized. So thank you so much, Tanvi and all the other panelists for the great insights. Now I will pass the microphone to our host. Thank you so much, panelists. Thank you, Emmett. I wanted to just open one final question of all the Gen Z panelists. Is there anything else you want to leave the adults with on the call? Anything else that's important to Gen Z? Maybe some of the Gen Z panelists who went earlier and um, had a chance to listen to the colleagues. Anything you want to emphasize to the CMOs on the call? Anything perhaps you forgot to mention that you now want to jump in with or do we feel we covered everything? All good? Okay, well, marvelous. I know it was a very comprehensive and wide-ranging discussion. So now briefly, I would love to talk to the CMOs as parents first and as marketers, starting with yourself, Kenny. And what struck you from listening to the discussion? I know you live in youth culture, arguably, in your leadership role at SNAP. Well, first of all, this was so incredible, so incredibly, uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of, of Carter, as I know a lot of the parents are, are proud of just how kind of thoughtful and kind of aware um, and, uh, each of the, 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 uh, the Gen Z panelists um, are. And, you know, one of the things that I feel is uh, kind, of, kind of interesting is I, I my, if I were at the, the their, their same age, I certainly don't think causes um, in, in kind of the role that they play in my life um, were, were, were as meaningful. Um, so just kind of the, you know, the, the um, social awareness um, that, that each of our young panelists uh, demonstrated was, was really impressive. And I, and I also think that this kind of this knowledge and familiarity of like marketing more broadly I think, you know, growing up on mobile devices and seeing advertisements all the time, I think uh, this, this, this generation is just far more acutely aware um, than, than I know I was at, at the same age. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the last thing I, I, I thought was really interesting, and, and I think um, uh, Tanvi, Tan I believe, I'm, I want to make sure I'm uh, not mispronouncing her name, um, like struck on something that I think is actually really important is this notion of kind of like experiences. 
um, and the importance of, of experiences. It's also a bit of a, a counteraction to um, kind of how um, ephemeral um, interactions can be on mobile and on social and just this, this idea of going out and experiencing things like taking a flight or going to a concert or having some type of live experience um, as, as a part of like your, your personal interaction and journeys. Um, I know very meaningful to this generation and probably that much more important um, as we're, we're sitting um, here, here in LA without the ability to have a lot of experiences because it's going on with COVID. So um, really, really, really gratified by this conversation. Thank you so much, panelists. It was uh, really fun and really informal. And Kenny, if I could ask you, what is your commitment to staying engaged with Gen Z? Uh, you know, it is a, uh, a table stakes uh, for, um, for for marketers, in particular, um, one who, uh, you know, myself, um, with the work that we do um, directly connected to our community, which we often call the Snapchat generation, which is primarily Gen Z um, and, and younger millennials. Um, so it, it's um, in order for me to do my job well, um, I kind of have to be plugged in. Um, I'm constantly, um, you know, from, from a consumer insights um, perspective, if we start talking a little, a little bit of our marketing and business terms here. We are constantly, constantly having conversations and, and just really being abreast with, um, with our community to understand some of their motivations, their beliefs, um, um, behaviors, and, and it, it just helps inform uh, a lot of the, you know, the programming and practices that we have. Um, I, I definitely get some one-on-one -on -one time with my uh, personal Gen Z pa panel member, Carter. Uh, so i constantly get her opinion uh, on things. We, we do it um, uh, broadly, and we actually do it globally. So we're, we're constantly looking to get a pulse um, on, 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 uh, on, on the, the Gen Z audience because it's, it's so critically important to, to our brand, to our success, how we market, how we think about product development, how we think about content. Um, how we think about serving uh, this community. Anything surprise you, Kenny, that you heard this morning? You know, I didn't know about this uh, is it Brandy Melville thing. I, I, I was not aware of it. I'm not the, the target. <laughs> um, so I wasn't even aware of that brand. Um, but it's interesting um, to to hear the, the, the um, you know, the, 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 the the, the common um, perception of, um, of of the brand and how they they come across. If I if I am the you know manager of that business, um, I, I you know I, I'd be really wary of of the impression that they're 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 leaving um, to their their target their target audience. So that that to me was was super surprising, and it's it's really interesting to see um, you know that that's a little bit of a commonly held um, thought from from the panel here. Thanks, Kenny. So Stella, you, you're sitting in the UK, different vantage point. What were your reactions? Well, first of all, I thought it was great to hear the different views um, coming from both the UK, Dubai, and also from across the US as well. I thought that was really great to, to see that. And I guess, you know, mirroring a lot of what, what Kenny has said, I think it's really interesting just how important a lot of the societal matters are. And I think as well, you know, compared to certainly when I was younger, we didn't have access to a lot of the information that is now available. There's, there's nowhere really for brands to hide. And I think that's a, and I think that's a really good thing as well, because brands um, are having to sort of live their values. And I think that's, a, that's super important. 
and uh, and also become very purpose-led and it's something that i think a lot of brands really need to focus on right now and to really sort of look deep within their business and uh, and think about the value that they're bringing to to society and make sure that there is nothing within any of their supply or value chain that is uh, that is uh, that is causing problems I think uh, so. What, what I'd love to hear, what I'd love to hear from, from all of the panelists, is just how easy it is for them and how uh, engaged they are to really get underneath the brands to get into the depth of the information that's there. So, so that I think is also uh, is also really good. So it's much more public. And as a leader in a technology and information communications company, what is your commitment to staying at the forefront of understanding Gen Z? Well, I guess for us, with especially around Gen Z or Gen Z, as as we would say, we um, we I mean, one of the key things is, and one of our key challenges is attracting um, talent. Mm -hmm. And so, obviously, being able to really work very closely with schools, we do a lot in sort of encouraging um, girls into uh, STEM subjects, for example, and also encouraging schools to focus on uh, the sciences and technology. So a lot of what we will do and what we need to do a lot more of is how to make the world of tech uh, an exciting place to be and to make sure that we can attract the next generation of talent into the organization. What are you doing on that front, Stella? So there's a lot that we do. We, we, we do a lot of sponsorships with schools. We do a lot of uh, competitions where we're looking to sort of stimulate innovations within certain things. And also across the world, because we're, we're a global company, so we have presence in, uh, in uh, we have presence in 140 countries where we have uh, employees. And so uh, a lot of our employees also uh, take that on themselves. But also some of the things that we do, and, and I'll give an example in the UK, is we, uh, we work with Girls Talk, which, is, uh, which really sort of focuses on girls in underprivileged areas. And we provide mentoring and support in helping them just at the point where they're going to universities and, uh, and getting them into the STEM subjects and, uh, and encouraging them into, uh, into taking uh, sort of different directions uh, in life and sort of opening up opportunities that they wouldn't have thought that they would have before. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. So, Mickey, a leader in a major media company in the United States, listening to the Gen Z panel here, what were your takeaways? Yeah, no, I, I would echo both Kenny and Stella in saying that um, I'm incredibly proud of this uh, this, this panel uh, of Gen Z uh, participants, particularly proud of, uh, of Andrew, obviously, and, and I think it was a great opportunity to bring this group together and really listen uh, and hear from them. I think what really struck me, which, you know, we've been talking about is, is the fact that this is an incredibly conscious generation. Um, I, I would echo uh, what some of us were saying in the earlier part of the call, which is just that I don't know that at age 13, 14, 15, I had any idea what the brands that I supported stood for. And these um, these participants today all know what their brands stand for, even the brands that they like in terms of the product and service, but they don't like what the brand stands for. They, are, they understand even that dichotomy. So I think um, uh, I think that is that's something that as marketers, we have to be incredibly aware of and conscious of that um, it, it's true. There is nowhere to hide um, um, these kids. If they don't already know what you stand for, they will find out they will share it. So I think that um, being aware of that is incredibly important. And, and this panel really amplified that today. And what's your commitment to staying in front of this generation and keeping them engaged? 
Well, I think it really is two parts, continuing to listen and also to communicate uh, the values of our organization um, as, as we try to uh, become part of this generation's uh, news consumption diet, if you will. Uh, we heard two things today that I think were incredibly important, and that was on um, the data and the privacy question. We heard, I don't love for a company to take my data and then begin communicating with me in a way that I didn't give them permission to. We also heard from Tanvi about the importance of the personalization experience in her interaction with Spotify. So we saw both sides, right? We saw both the, the problem with data collection as well as the advantage of improving the experience as a result. I think as marketers, we have to commit to communicating one, um, how we are utilizing data, how, when we are collecting it, how we're going to be utilizing it, and then helping the consumer, helping the young consumer, really helping all consumers understand how we can uh, create a better experience for them with the proper use of data. So I think that that is going to be our challenge moving forward, one that we're committed to at the Post, and I think that overall um, the marketers and organizations really do have to be focused on. Thanks, Miki. So Lisa, biotechnology company, with that set of ears, and indeed, of course, a parent, what did you hear and anything in particular surprise you? Yeah, no, and I, I think some of these themes will just be echoes, but um, thank you for convening this panel. And it's amazing to hear the eloquence and the clarity and the depth of thought from these folks. I think the things that particularly struck me um, was a, a, the importance of, of word of mouth, um, the importance of influences, and also the importance of accessibility to information that they may that they may have um and that just generally um they really value deeply and engage with social issues and they support the little guys so um you know i think as a as a healthcare organization um it's uh, i think that historically healthcare has been very much in the space of you know we've got great medicines and people need them and we're going to just deliver those medicines and everything's going to be okay but I think if we really take that a little bit deeper and um, understand that uh, if we're not both understanding what the current issues are for Gen Z, um, how they're consuming information, um, and thinking through the whole uh, holistically, um, as well as that we are um, communicating our values um, and how they may um, how they may line up with what's important to to these. Uh, really important consumers as you set up at the beginning margaret i think that that's something for all of us in in how we go about it's not about us it's about a, it's about the people who are receiving um our goods services products etc and um and how they can make their lives better generally and how would you put a finer point on that in terms of your commitment yeah i think you know all along it's just um not being company centric but being customer centric. So um, I think we constantly now are setting up more panels of um, the, you know, hearing from the voice of our patients, the voice of our physicians, nurses, et cetera, to really understand better what their needs are and how they change dramatically over time. I mean, if you think about how um, needs have changed just in the last six months. Um, so having that ear to the ground of the voice and then thinking through what that means in terms of how we communicate and express and um, what we do um, to, uh, to them. 
Okay, thank you, Lisa. And patiently, finally, Benali. Anything else that hasn't been mentioned already, Benali? Yes. Firstly, I want to really thank you, Margaret, for you know this opportunity and for getting this group together. I think everybody spoke beautifully. And what is very heartening is to see that uh, Gen Z is full of empathy and compassion. And for me, that is the need of the R. And it's for brands to know and understand that you know we need to do that. And and, and with Gen Z, sort of all of them having. Uh, such a important um, uh, to be with the social uh, scene. I think it's it's wonderful that they're all concerned about social causes across the world. So empathy and compassion in this Gen Z is something which stood out for me, and I'm 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 very heartened to see that. The other thing, uh, like I think Mickey mentioned, I think brands will need to hire, uh, need to draw a fine line of balance between. Uh, when while using data, while delighting uh, customers or your target audience and keeping them out, uh, you know. So many, very, very often, hyper personalization is the way to go to make sure it's the moment and the contextual time that you're marketing and targeting that is very important for marketers to understand. So you all, it can be a moment of delight, and joy. It can also creep you out. Um, so it's a really fine balance because while we are all moving towards data and want to get into first party data and harnessing all our um, first party, second party data, uh, it is very important for us uh, to get, get it right and get the fine balance on it. So I think um, Gen Z is echoing pretty much the same thing as well. Um, so it, it, was, it, was a, it was great learning for me. The role models that a lot of influencers are playing, um, while we know social media is important, but influencers are playing a big part for Gen Z convert uh, for brands, um, that's also something which is new um, for me. While I know influencers are big, but I didn't realize that they're that big with uh, with this uh, generation. So that's, that's a new one. And Benali, as a leader in a financial services institution, um, what's your commitment to staying on top of the trends with Gen Z? So, 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 Margaret, we do a lot of stuff. We just, in fact, like I said, we started our back to school campaign today. We do uh, invest in a lot of applications and products which are targeted specifically for Gen Z. Uh, with them, everything is digital first, and that's the way they approach everything. So, all the apps, we, we have an app right now that we have just launched. It's called Skiply, where you can skip the queue and pay your school fees, book uh, online. So, it's like a social community app as well. So. We are investing heavily uh, in marketing those tools, keeping Gen Z in mind completely. So, and we'll continue to do that. Sponsorships, scholarships, all those kind of programs. Uh, I think we, that is a big important segment for us. Well, thank you very much, Benali. Thank you. Now, as our audience knows, usually at this point, I give my reflections on the takeaways from the discussion, but it seems most appropriate to actually pass the mic back to Emmett and ask Emmett to share his reflections. Before I do so, I remind the audience that we welcome everyone's observations. So please tweet us using hashtag future of branding. So Emmett, what did you learn this afternoon? So after interviewing all the panelists here, my top lesson. Primarily, marketing to my generation is quite complicated. People care about price, quality, different causes, variety, and trendiness when buying products and services. It's not easy to lure us in. My generation wants to know what a brand stands for. However, we don't just take your word for it. We do our research to come up with our own opinions on the morals of the company. We care about the brands we associate ourselves with, for example, the clothes we wear. 
it is difficult to gain our trust. You, you definitely can't assume our loyalty if we learn something new about a brand's behavior, especially if it's involving a cause we support. We might transfer our loyalty to another brand. Conversely, this attitude works in a company's favor if you are launching new products because we are very open to trying new things. Furthermore, most people are probably not surprised by the fact that we love to spend a lot of time on our phones, viewing social media, and following influencers. However, you might be surprised to hear that most of us like to in-person shop as well. Additionally, I thought it was interesting how everyone spent their $100. It shows that although we are all Gen Z, we are different too. Marketers need to be smart about that. While we sometimes like to fit in, we like to be individuals as well. I was encouraged to hear the adults' reactions too, especially the discussion between data and societal issues. We like to be listened to. Of course, as you've heard, we'll hold you accountable. Now, mom, what's your commitment to my generation? Thank you, Emmett, and thank you for your summary. My commitment, Emmett, is the same as the last time you asked. I'm committed to making sure we have more diverse voices at the important tables that we convene or occupy. And there are two parts to that. First, I'm committed to hosting these important marketing conversations and amplifying diverse voices. And second, I'm committed to working with my colleagues at Siegel and Gale to make sure our culture is a welcoming place for Gen Z colleagues like the guests on this panel of all genders, all races, everyone, everyone who wants to contribute. And that dual commitment is really important because I recognize that a branding firm like ours can have an outsized impact on the world through our brand consultants, creatives, and communicators. So that's my commitment, and I know you will hold me accountable to it. With that in mind, I'd like to thank everyone. Thank you, CMOs. Thank you, Kenny, Stella, Benali, uh, Mickey, and Lisa. Thank you, Gen Z, Caitlin, Carter, Andrew, Jenna, and Tanvi. Really sincerely appreciating your discussion and your generosity of insights. And Gen Z and Gen Z, I wish you the very, very best and a safe and successful school year. Thank you, as always, to our producers this week, led by Alison Carrion and Ashley Noonan. And we invite you back on September 9th when we will be joined by five more CMOs. I'm Margaret Malloy, and on behalf of everyone at Siegel and Gale, thank you very much. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is how CMOs commit.